You're listening to What Goes On Here, and I'm Sam Walker. Whoever we are, and whatever we do, we all have moments when we feel like we don't quite fit with the world around us. What Goes On Here is where you can listen to real stories of people who at times couldn't see a way forward, people who found themselves stuck, maybe in a life they never imagined would be theirs, people who had to face their fears, face themselves, but they changed and change lives of people around them too. Episode 2, Alfie. Alfie Joey's an entertainer. He's an actor. You might have seen him in Coronation Street, Ideal and Heaven. He's also a stand-up comedian, an impersonator and a radio broadcaster too. For him, performance comes as second nature. So from a very young age, um, I used to get on stage, get the mic, do impressions. I can't even remember this, but as I grew up, people used to go, you were a proper Mike Yarwood when you were little, you were always on the stage. But until Alfie was well into his 30s, he wasn't a professional entertainer. He was a priest, and then a monk, and it's something he'd wanted to do his entire life. When, when we went to senior seminary, there was an option to get up extra early and go to the early mass, and very few people wanted I was there. I'd be at uh, morning prayers, evening prayers. That was all I was ever going to do. I, I loved it. I loved it. So when your entire existence is focused around one very specific and prescriptive way of life, how do you walk away? How do you reinvent yourselves, not only in the eyes of your family and friends, but yourself too? I left and I cracked up. All this new stuff, this noise and this discomfort just set me mad. I went mad. 15 years in training, 20 years of wanting to do something and then not. I, I don't want to sort of dig into it and think, was all that a waste of time? You grew up in a mining family. I did. Um, think Billy Elliot. Um, and it's not far of the mark because uh, my dad was a coal miner. You know, pit life, as you picture it, as you'd imagine it. He went on strike. All my uncles went on strike. So we lived right through that. Um, and that was my beginnings. Were you close to him? In, in a strange way, we were bonded by, weirdly, by Frank Sinatra. More than anything. So my dad was quite an um, old-fashioned pitman. So he didn't, he didn't wear his heart on his sleeve unless it was music or films. And if it was music or films, he'd pour his heart out. Mm. And that was how we expressed emotion. I can't even remember how young I was when he used to play Frank Sinatra records, but I knew them all off by heart without even knowing. I went to school one day, and you know when the teacher does that thing at the end of term where, oh, we'll do Passy the Parcel and you do a forfeit. And the lad before me ripped a sheet of paper off. He's called Mark Wilkinson and said, impersonate the Incredible Hulk. And he got up and he and everybody clapped. And I ripped my sheet of paper off and said, sing a song. So I got up and I didn't even know. I knew the song. I just went, what a day this has been. What a rare mood I'm in. Why, it's almost like being in love. I did the band breaks and everything. My classmates are staring at me like it's, Witchcraft or something, and which is another song on the same album. And I went for the big finish. It didn't deter me that they weren't interested. And I finished the whole song. And my teacher said, she said, come and get these Palmer Violets. And I went up and she, she whispered, I wouldn't do that again. Not in front of these. Because it was... She it, discouraged she you. Did, well, in, she was brilliant in so many ways. But it was a bit weird. Because all of my classmates were into madness and all, you know, pop stuff. Yeah. And I just never was. And I was just into Frank Sinatra. And then I realised, it's because my dad likes it. And that was how we conversed. 
having talked to you for the last couple of minutes, I'd say, right, if, I'm, if I was a betting woman, I would say, right, when all the mm. kids were drawing pictures of cowboys and spacemen and things they want to yeah. be when you're older, you're either going to say, be a minor because your dad's a minor, yeah. or you're going to be up on stage. That's, that's surely what your two career paths would have been. Well, the weird thing is, I can remember Mrs. Darby saying, draw in your book what you want to be. And I drew a priest. And that was what, I was in her class when I was seven. And, uh, and that never went away. Where did it come from? Uh, we didn't go to... Ch- I went to church with an auntie. My mum wasn't Catholic. My dad was Catholic, didn't go to church. And I just... There was like an itch. And I'm not sure why or... Looking back, it's like almost like somebody else's life. As Alfie went through school, what his parents thought might be a phase never went away. And eventually, after several years of him asking to go to seminary, they agreed. Although his dad found it very hard. Oh, he cried. He, he cried. It Gosh. was... Um, it, it is like Billy Elliot, because it was near the miners' strike, and I can remember, all he said was, if you want to come home, come home. Just pack your bags, let us know, and come home. That's all he said. Never mentioned God, never mentioned what I wanted to do, never said it was good or bad. Just said, and the night before I went, he just broke his heart. He cried and cried, and... Um, Oh, and that was a long drive the next day because it was another, the other end of the country. It was a, it was a boarding yeah. school. For, it was like Hogwarts with mini, <laughs> mini priests instead of wizards. Did that not make you think twice that this is having such an emotional reaction in a man who generally isn't an emotional person? N- no, it's all I wanted to do. It was all I wanted to do. And when I went away, I, I wanted to do it even more because lots of kids arrived. Honestly, just like Harry Potter, and we all arrived... And some kids were crying at night, didn't want, didn't want to stay. Some wanted to go straight home. I utterly loved it. I thought, this is brill. This is great. Why? Why? Um, I went to the theatre for the first time. I was in plays for the first time. I was in the football team. And it was all exciting. It was like an adventure. You haven't mentioned God. No. Um, and that's strange because, again, looking back, I was quite spiritual I was quite holy and I never missed mass. When when we went to senior seminary, there was an option to get up extra early and go to the early mass and very few people wanted I was there. I was very, very hands-on when it came to pastoral work. That was my real forte. I always felt my strength was in pastoral work and going out into communities and working in hospitals or prisons or uh, whatever, wherever we were sent. But it didn't occur to you you could do all of those things in a non-religious setting? Um, no, no, because social work wasn't a thing when I was growing up. I'd never heard of that. And I, d- I, I was drawn, I think, to the, the spiritual side of things. Were you happy? Was I happy? Yeah. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, you wrestle with, you know, that sort of navel gaze and sometimes if you do too much of it, can just drive you potty. I remember I went on a silent retreat once. We all did. And uh, that drove me utterly crackers. Because I just like to chat. So the first day, day, it's day one of silence. You're thinking, I can only hear me. You're arguing with yourself in your brain. Then I'll go for a run. So I'm going for a run. Right, I'm far away now. I can sing. I'll just start spreading the new... Ooh, that feels good. And we did a week of that, of absolute sound. So I found that side, almost that sort of level of monastic solitude, very tricky. But generally, I, I loved it. I loved it. And again, that was all I was ever going to do. How did 
did you folks feel? Interestingly, it took it took a while for I'd say my family to adjust to everything, and and they were brilliant. My mum became a Catholic, gosh, because you know just uh, to understand it and uh, join in with things, and she she'd come to the college and do certain things. And my um, brother and sister were great. Again, they never they never chatted about the nuts and bolts of what I did. It was just what I did. Junior seminary became senior seminary. And then just before Alfie was due to be ordained as a priest, he changed his mind and decided he wanted to be a monk. They were called the Salesians of Don Bosco and they, they do missionary work all around the world. And so I used to do placements with them and I'll go away with you this summer and help you out taking kids on a summer camp or something from deprived areas. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. And then I thought, I I like these. I like this lifestyle. More of a brotherhood and they all sort of ate together and laughed together and went on holiday together and that sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, this is a bit more monastic, you know, so Mm. they take a vow of poverty. And it just started to appeal to me. And then I'm thinking... I think I want to be one of them. I think I want to be a brother and not a father. So I uh, I phoned my mum and uh, I said, I'm, I'm not going to be a priest. And she said, that's all right. That's okay. Um, I said, I'm going to be, it's like a monk. And she said, what's that? I said, the, uh, the Salesians of Don Bosco. She'd never heard of it. It could have been the Moonies. Yeah, you know, it yeah. just sounded as odd as that. And... With with joining a religious order, you have to do what's called a novitiate, where you go, it's usually an intense period of training, like basic training in the army, but it lasts a year, and you can't come home for a year. Gosh. And you you live in a monastic setting, and you, you're only allowed out to do pastoral work and stuff like that, and you've got no money or anything. And, and she said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm, go- I'm going to go to Dublin for a year. And that I think that was hard. It was hard, and that was hard for me to tell her. And that was it. I went off to Dublin. But again, it felt right. It was in your gut. Absolutely. So you do your training, you become a monk, but then what happened? They send you, it's a vow of obedience, so you go where you get sent. So you, I could have gone to Liberia, um, you know, war-torn parts of the world. Anyway, they sent me to Liverpool. Uh, and the, <laughs> the guys who went to Liberia going, oof, be careful there. Because <laughs> it, was, it was a tough part of Liverpool. I was a school chaplain and I was there for, for two years and I utterly loved the Scousers are great. This, and they made me feel at home. That was just, utterly loved it. I can tell by your face. Yeah. Lighting up. It was, t- you know, two of the great years. It was just utterly brilliant and and I worked in the drama department of the school I, I hit it off with the drama teacher and we we're still best friends and and he was great and he welped me as if and it, it didn't matter that I was a brother they just spoke to me like I was one of the scousers and that's mm. what I loved and loved about being there that was just a great time Did you feel different? Because you were a brother. Yeah, because you, you went back to the presbytery and I was living with all the priests and it was a strange... And things would happen that just don't happen. To, the, the door went one night. I was watching Match of the Day and I went to the door and um, there's lots of bolts on it because it was in a tough area. Undid them all. All the priests were out having a drink in the social club and uh, there's this woman there and she said, um, do you do exorcisms? And I went, what? She said, me, I think my daughter's possessed. Oh, and I gosh. said, uh, well, 
I'll get my coat. Um, so <laughs> I went, I went, I didn't know what I was doing, you know. So I just said some prayers and I said, I'll, I'll get the parish priest to come around and do something properly for you. Yeah, so you, you know, it was full of bizarre experiences like that. Next, Alfie went off to do a drama degree in London so he could officially teach the young people he was working with. But he kept a big secret from his fellow students. I made a decision when I started the, the degree not to tell any of the students what I did so I could just be one of them. I did, really? I did, I but didn't... it's such a major... But this is what's really interesting mm. because you have been defined from the age of seven yeah. as the kid who became a priest yeah. and then became a brother. And mm. yet you choose to take the one thing that's defined you for your entire life up to this point and not reveal it to a new set of friends. To give myself a level playing field, these are students, they're a bit younger than me, I don't want to be, oh, don't talk about that, he's here. So I didn't tell them. So Did that feel like a deceit? Not, no, because it worked and they'd all be effing and jeffing and they'd all be, have a drink and all that and we, we'd have a right laugh in the pub and all that. But at 11 o'clock every night when they'd all go back to yeah. halls or when they'd all go back to digs or whatever, I'd get the tube back down to the monastery. And um, This is so strange that your, your dirty secret... Yeah. Is your religious life? Uh, well, one day, I think about six months into the degree, we're all great pals by this stage, and the questions are coming. You know, where do you go? Where do you Can <gasps> we come to yours? And get, oh, come on, be a good nap. And it was getting trickier. I thought, I'll mention it now. Boom. Jaws dropping everywhere. How did, what, did what? You, what did you say? I, I, I think, I don't know what I said. I told them my story, basically. I said, I'm, I'm a brother in a religious order and um, I've taken these vows and, and that's what I do. And, um, and I'm here to do drama so I can teach in one of our schools. And everyone was gobsmacked. But everyone came, came out and everyone was slapped me on the back and everyone was going, that was, thanks, that was great. But you know, the, but then we went to the pub and they carried on swearing and they carried on talking about and it didn't matter. So it had worked. Yeah. Employ had worked. So you're a monk? You're happy, you're content with your life. But what changed? One big thing happened where my pal, who's the drama teacher in the school in Liverpool, asked me to be his best man. And he said his uncle was Eddie Braben, who wrote all of the great scripts for Morkman Wise. To me, that was phenomenal. Yeah. I loved Morkman Wise. I'd always loved show business. Morkman Wise were the kings of show business. And... And he said, he's going to be at the wedding, but he never laughs. Don't take it personally. Well, <laughs> that, that consumed me. And um, I wrote a speech, Best Man's Speech, the musical. And I didn't even do it for Stu and Jane. I thought, I'm doing this for Eddie Britt. I've got to make Morkman Wise laugh, basically. So it was an all-out assault. I had wigs, I had hats, I had cassettes going, I had backing tracks, I, I was doing sketches. The, the whole thing was a, a set-piece performance. It lasted about 15 minutes or something. <laughs> and um, I thought, I've got to make him laugh. And he led a stand innovation. Oh. And he, ca he came over to me and... Um, he laughed and he said, um, what do you do, son? And he didn't know. I said, oh, I'm a monk. And he went, forget that, show business. And I never thought it plausible to, you know, 
I'd never thought it plausible to do that as a career. Had it crossed your mind? I'd always wanted wanted to win an Oscar when I was five. You know, I'd always thought, wow, show business. But it's out there, it's untouchable, it's not possible. But then when the bloke who wrote Morkman Wise says, do you know you could do this? You think, wow, uh, that was it. It Sort of, he'd he'd said something and Mm. it it started to tick then. I'm thinking, I could actually do this. That turned a light on in you. Yeah. But how long did it take for that light to go from a little tiny glow in the distance oh, to a big bright light? Six months, a year. It, I re- that's when I was wrestling. That's when I was all over the place. And did, I was... did you feel guilty thinking about leaving? Yeah, yeah, because me mum had changed her life. But everyone was, you know, and I'd led them down this path and, and they're, all, they're all now supporting me and going, Brilliant, you're great. And they thought, thanks for what a what a life he's leading. Isn't it great, isn't it? It's it, taken it, us 20 yeah, years yeah. to support him, We've but we do it now. We do. And then I, I remember for me, mum and saying, mum, I'm going to leave. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a comedian. I think she just gave up then. I think she thought, What? You know, she supported me in anything I've done, but that must have been Mm. probably more worrying than all the others, you know. How did the conversations Um, go with the other people in the religious order? How did did you start that conversation? I went to a a really wise old priest, Father John, and um, he was the first person I told. I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, you do, and you've made your mind up. (gasps) He He was sharp and he was brilliant and he was supportive and he said I've seen you come back from that college he said it's all you talk about it's all you want to do I can see it and then you have another series of conversations with the the powers of be higher up you know the order and that was a little bit trickier and a little bit more awkward and again you do feel like you've let people down it a bit and and then there's the process you have to write to the vatican and you get a letter back in latin they they were so supportive maybe they wanted me out uh, but, they gave, <laughs> but, they gave, but they they gave me money which i'd never had and i got rid of it immediately i was surrounded by students who wanted a drink so i was going in the pub buying it. Hey, so, hey look at this this magic paper works this is great <laughs> who wants a drink mate yeah all of us but then that got really hard. I left and I cracked up. Basically, it was just, I was in halls of residence and it was noisy and it was I'd never heard noise like it and the world was noisier and everything was disorganised and I lost all that rhythm and all that, mm. you know, when I used to get up for meditation, that was gone and I'd start drinking and I'd have hangovers and all this new stuff, this noise and this discomfort just sent me mad I went mad for about because I hadn't been 18 or 21 and I'd missed yeah. all the disco the nightclub years and all I hadn't done any of that and suddenly I did it in about you know six months and I went crazy did you but, ever have an, a crisis of identity did you ever look in the mirror and go who are you yeah yeah there was lots of that and and probably that when I left that was when it drove me as mad as you know mm. or I was wrestling for about two or three years should I leave should I stay um, you know it wasn't everything I thought it was going to be I didn't know what it was going to be because I hadn't experienced mm. real life you know and buying groceries and um, all that sort of stuff all those things I took for granted paying bills I'd never paid a bill 
Um, I'd never had money to pay a bill. I'd never had a bank account. So I was I was just getting life lessons from everybody, from all my mates at university and some good, some bad. And it was, you know, it was just everything was a lear- learning curve, everything. And, and then my first sort of normal house I lived in was with... Uh, He's a, he's quite a name now. He's a great comedian. Um, Angelos Epithemu from Shooting Stars. We lived together for four years and we didn't have a brass empty to screw up together. We did telly sales together. We'd walk to Finchley from Tottenham with egg sandwiches as our <laughs> base and we did comedy together. Did Was religion any part of your life at all at this stage? Did you go to church at weekends? Did you... I started going to church and then it just, that stopped. And Gosh. then And then... And then, I mean, people ask, well, what do you think? What do you believe? What do you... And I don't, I'm not sure, to be honest, because, I, you know, in some ways you think, well, none of that time was wasted because everything leads mm. you to way. But 15 years in training and 20 years of wanting to do something and then not, I, I don't want to sort of dig into it and think, was all that a waste of time? Because um, most of it wasn't because it made me who I am. There are certain bits of it I wish were a bit short or, uh, you know, just because I love what I do now and in some ways wish I could have started this a bit earlier. Yeah. But all of that helped and all of that fed and led to where I, where I came to. That was it. I started um, doing comedy gigs. And I, the first the first gig I did was with Angelos from Shooting Stars, mm-hmm. Dan Skinner, and Alan Carr. Alan Carl. Where are they now? What happened to them? <laughs> what happened to them millionaire losers? So yeah. So w- was, was all your comedy about your past life? None of it. None of it. None of it. And all comedians said, "You've got to talk about that. Talk about what You've you got know. To do. Yeah, who no, you are. D- d- it doesn't. It doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't. I don't find it funny. I. J- I don't. That was just a, almost like somebody else's life. That's it. That that you said that twice bit. now, Alfie. You yeah. said that twice. And that is a really yeah. powerful thing to say, that half of your life feels like somebody else's life. Well, because it was such a gear change, you know, to go from a, from such a reverent lifestyle to... I wasn't a reverend, but there's the comedy clubs, bawdy places and so yeah. on. What do you say to seven-year-old Alfie drawing a picture of a priest in his What Do You Want to Be When You're Older book? Um... <laughs> <laughs> drawn with a collar but maybe with a frilly shirt and uh, <laughs> I don't know um, good question yeah I I, can't, I don't want to change it because it would stop everything else and um, mm. I think this was my my vocation was to do stand up the first night I did stand up was the best buzz mm. you know I, I was just blown away I do think there are overlaps because mm. pr- a lot of priests are show-offs. A lot of priests are local celebrities. A lot of priests get up and perform. So there are overlaps. And, you know, I think there's probably... That mm. that was probably the bit I enjoyed and maybe that was the bit I was drawn to. It's, it's different, but yeah. a lot of it's the same. So what do you say to people who want to change their life but they're afraid of starting again? Well, no, to me, I'd say all of those experiences, you know talking to prisoners, going into a hospital, going into a hospice, it, they all made me braver, they all made me tougher, they all made me more articulate. They've all led to to me being slightly better at what I do, hopefully. I'm sure it all feeds it and, I, you know, I did now work on local radio. and but Something I might have done 18 years ago will come in handy 
And I think that's probably why I was meant to do that. Because I've been, I think, lucky in doing so many things I've really wanted to do, even though I've changed my mind. I've just been dead lucky at fulfilling each little bit and then turn another corner and go, actually, I'll go down here now. So many people I've met in life and just not that lucky and they they just walk down a corridor and go, I don't know where I'm meant to be. Um, you, I think you can only find it yourself, really. Brave, though, is a word you haven't used. I mean, I think what you did was incredibly brave. Mm, not to me. You made this decision, this incredibly hard decision to completely change your life and yet you called it luck to be able to see other opportunities. Yeah, I still I still don't see it as bravery. It was just, I, I just don't think I ever consider consequences of uh, failure or, or what I do is might have effects on other people. But um, I do, I, I enjoy challenges. I enjoy, I get, that's when I get a bit still when the challenge stops. So I need, I think that's what I like, new, new mm. challenges. Alfie Joey was talking to me, Sam Walker. You've been listening to What Goes On Here. Coming up next, episode three, Barbara. It was devastating. It's, it's, I felt battered. I felt wrecked. Um, I felt as if my soul was broken.